Welcome to episode 312 of the Microsoft Cloud IT Pro Podcast, recorded live on December 6th, 2022. This is a show about Microsoft 365 and Azure from the perspective of IT pros and end users, where we discuss a topic or recent news and how it relates to you. Today, as we approach the end of the year and the holiday season, Scott and I take a break from Azure and Microsoft 365 and present some of our favorite technology that we have on our desks and use for travel that might make good gifts for the geek in your life. Hey, Scott. Hey, Ben. Nobody on video can see, but we're very Christmassy today. (laughs) You're wearing green, I'm wearing red. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. This is my new sport ball shirt. My my latest Cotton Bureau order came in. Nice. Looks good. I like your sports ball shirt. You know what I discovered? We should talk about this. This is a quick update. You know that issue I've been having with Outlook and Edge and Power Apps and all of that? Yes. Where I kept locking up my browser. We've talked about this a couple times. Someone finally figured out what was causing it. It is not Edge. It is the uBlock Origin extension to block ads. <laughs> I've noticed that uBlock Origin has a lot of issues, particularly on Microsoft properties. It seems to break some kind of standard controls. Like I live in the Azure Update site quite a bit, like uh-huh. either authoring posts over there, helping PMs author posts for our products, or in general, just trying to really like wrangle together what's going on in the platform kind of thing. And yep. all the filter, like text boxes, like whatever they're built in, who knows what like web framework, you know, whether it's React or, you know, whatever du jour thing for the day, you block horribly. <laughs> horribly breaks those things. Yeah, I'm going to have to... So I just disabled the whole extension to test it really quick. Next step is going to be like, go exclude the like star.office and except there's a lot. It would have to be like star.office and .microsoft and .outlook and .powerapps and we'll have to see, but I also know Chromium or Chrome. I guess not necessarily Chromium. Chrome is making a bunch of changes to black ads as well or make it harder for those things to function. And I have been curious if that's going to make its way down to Edge since they're both built on Chromium and if we're starting to also see some of the implications of Chrome making it harder for ad blockers to be implemented. Uh, Yeah, maybe. We shall see. So that is on my Christmas list, Scott, for Edge to not do that so that I can properly block all the ads and still function day to day. <laughs> I don't have the same issue that you have, so I don't I wouldn't 100% say it's uBlock, but I have noticed weirdness with uBlock in general when it comes to some Microsoft properties. So I would not 100% discount it. Rule it out. Well, and it's only a couple things. It's only been Power Apps and Outlook. And it's only Outlook when I preview attachments. So it's very select cases where I've had the issue, which is, I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> anywho. That is a weird one for sure. Yes. So that is my update on my ongoing saga of edge freezing. So now I need to go do some more testing, which is relatively minor considering other companies' sagas that they have going on right now. <laughs> kind of, sort of, like just ever so slightly much, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we, do we want to talk about that? I don't know. No, really want to talk about that. probably not. No. Let's talk about fun, happy stuff today. So right. we're getting into the holidays. You and I are 
technologists, we're remote workers. We've talked a bunch in the past about kind of managing our time working remotely, some of the equipment we use, things like that. I was thinking today, why don't we talk about gifts that you could get for the the geek in your life. And and I don't mean geek in a derogatory way, but you, you know that special someone who gets a new device with <laughs> some LEDs on it and they go, "Ooh, I would very much like to plug that into my computer and play with it and install a driver and see what it does kind of thing." So, you know, run through some of that, uh, maybe go through some of the books we've been reading lately. And just general things you could look for for somebody as a nice end of the year, Christmas, Boxing Day, whatever kind of gift. Do we have a price limit, Scott? Because my technology gifts tend to slowly climb up in price. Like I need to keep my eye out for cheaper ones that I can give to people that they'll actually buy for me. I think as you're going through things, you might want to think about, especially kind of flame framing for a global audience about having multiple price points in there. So something that could be a stocking stuffer plus maybe kind of thing. And and I would throw maybe like a book into that category, right? A a $20 book or something like that. Or maybe there is like a little piece of hardware or something that falls in there. But yeah, geeks tend to be pretty expensive people to shop for. We do. My credit card bill can attest to that because sometimes I just buy stuff because I'm like, and nobody's going to buy this for me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So do you have one right off the top of your head? If I said, Scott, I'll get you any technology toy you want for Christmas this year. What would it be? What's the Uh, first thing that pops into your head? mm, So I already have this, but I am 100% bought into this ecosystem. And I absolutely think that everybody should have one. And that is the Elgato Stream Deck. So I'm not going to like, beat this one to death. You and I both have stream decks. We've talked about them in the past. I have a whole episode I'll link to in the show notes, which is Scott's ode to the stream deck. Like I'm an unabashed fan of this device. (laughs) You and I recently purchased their most recent release, which is the Elgato Stream Deck Plus, which is like an eight key stream deck with a touchscreen and a touch bar. And it has these great little metal tactile infinite knobs for turning system volume up, down, executing hotkeys, things like that. So if you have somebody in your life and they don't have a Stream Deck today, like a Stream Deck Plus is a little bit of, it's on the pricier side. They're like $200 US, but there are multiple flavors of the Stream Deck. So if you think about a Stream Deck just as a macro pad, so very specifically a device that can execute hotkeys or it has kind of system system level integrations for maybe turning devices on off changing between inputs on a screen changing audio devices all those kinds of things there's multiple versions of the stream deck so there's the stream deck plus which is the newer one that uh, sits about $200 US there's a stream deck pedal which is a non led device like it's a buttonless device like not buttonless it has three buttons on it sits under your desk and you can just kind of use it as a foot pedal to control things, or you can do something like an Elgato Stream Deck Mini, which is... It's 80. I looked it up. It's 80 bucks. Six keys, 
buttons. Little mini six key device. Or if you don't want to do something like that, like I would just go to YouTube or YouTube. I would go to Amazon and look at just macro pads in general. So there's tons of companies that make varying quality levels, macro pads. So think like a little miniature keyboard, almost like if you remember keyboards when they used to have like the detachable numpad and you could put that over to the side kind of thing. Uh, So there's lots of companies that make macro pads between three keys, four keys, 12 keys, things like that. And they can run just, you know, 10 bucks up. They just plug in over USB and they do all the things that they need to do and they're kind of awesome. Yeah, I would agree. I have two stream decks now. One thing I like, so I can't remember if you've, have you played with, you have two as well. You can control one of them from the other one too. So the interoperability between two stream decks is something I have where you can like, push a button on one stream deck and switch profiles on the other stream deck or set up like multi-action. So I push a button to select a profile and it actually changes the profile on both devices at the same time. And I do like the plus with the dials and the functionality there. I would love to see a future update give me more functionality on the little touch screen. But overall, though, I have been super impressed with the plus and like some of the functionality you can do with the dials and the fact that the dials, like you said, can just be hotkeys. So if you have hotkeys for volume up, volume down, toggling between things, like I think of Ecamm. We use that when we stream live and I set up different scenes for different looks that we want. I can use the dial now to toggle, like rotate, flip between all the different scenes and then the buttons you can also push. So then you can push the button to select it. Music players use the dials to switch between tracks and have the push the dial to be play pause. It's a cool little device. Yeah, they're nifty. They come across as pricey, totally get it. You might pick one up and go like, eh, it's just like a cheap little plastic key kind of thing. But part of what you're paying for is that ecosystem that you talked about and access to the software and the integrations that it's that it offers. And it is just a really great, fun device that I use Every single day, hundreds of times a day, like I constantly going and clicking, turning a knob, doing something on this device. It is just wonderful and delightful and I love it. And if you know a geek in your life who doesn't have one, I guarantee you they would love it as well. Yes, 100%. All right. All right. So does I have to pick one now? Yeah. Give me one of yours. Do you feel overwhelmed by trying to manage your Office 365 environment? Are you facing unexpected issues that disrupt your company's productivity? Intelligent is here to help. Much like you take your car to the mechanic that has specialized knowledge on how to best keep your car running, Intelligent helps you with your Microsoft Cloud environment because that's their expertise. Intelligent keeps up with the latest updates in the Microsoft Cloud to help keep your business running smoothly and ahead of the curve. Whether you are a small organization with just a few users up to an organization of several thousand employees, they want to partner with you to implement and administer your Microsoft Cloud technology. Visit them at intelligent.com slash podcast. That's I-N-T-E-L-L-I-G-I-N-K dot com slash podcast for more information or to schedule a 30-minute call to get started with them today. Remember, Intelligent focuses on the Microsoft Cloud so you can focus on your business. I'm going to go with 
a cheaper stocking stuffer one. And this is one that I keep seeing YouTube videos and people using these cables. And it is the USB-C aviator cable, which is like, I don't know, Scott, and I don't know, I've never actually looked like, is there's actually any functional benefit to these? I just think it looks cool. It's a nice little USB-C cable that has an aviator connector in the middle so you can detach it. It's nice and coiled and you can get all kinds of different colors. And there's a bunch of different companies that make these. These range in price too, I would say, from like 15 20 bucks up to $50, $60 for these cables. I found one on Amazon that I have given to some family members that's like 22 bucks, And just give me a nice looking USB cable for my mechanical keyboard and improve the look of my desk a little bit other than just these plain old black standard USB-C cables. Yeah, so if you have a mechanical keyboard and it runs over USB and it requires being wired, then you know some keyboards come with these, some just come with kind of boring, regular old USB cables. So your mileage may vary there. But if you've ever watched like a desk setup video on YouTube and you've seen the coiled cable that comes away from the keyboard, that's what Ben's talking about. And yeah, they're nifty little things. They're quite durable. They're often braided and they just look nice. And, and like you said, you can start at like $10, $15 US and you're off to the races. Yeah, exactly. I feel like there was something else I was going to say about it too, but I can't remember. Oh, and if you have like a Bluetooth keyboard, these don't work. I have Bluetooth, but I frankly, I always plug mine in because my Bluetooth mileage varies. I don't know if I have too many radio waves floating around the office or if it's just Bluetooth in general. I still prefer keyboards that you plug in. I still use Bluetooth keyboards, but I am a big fan of all the mechanical keyboards that are coming out that are wireless and Bluetooth. So uh, if you're looking for something in the eh, $125, $150 range, there's a ton of mechanical keyboards out there that are really great. And, and even a little bit cheaper. I think you can get into some of the more traditional mechanical keyboard companies like Keychron, like a Keychron K3 starts at about $85. Or my new favorite one that I have is the Nufi Air 75. So it's Nufi, N-U-P-H-Y, and it's an awesome 75%. They also make a 60% variation of that. Mechanical keyboard, low profile, still nice clicky keys, multiple options and switches. And, and the cool thing about the new fee is it does three Bluetooth connections okay. or it does a wired connection as well. So you can have, you, you can basically get four connections out of it. So for somebody like me at my desk where I have my kind of main computer, my main PC that's plugged into a dock, that's great because I can just leave the wired connection on that and then anything that I plug into that dock it works with. But I can also pair it over to my work laptop, I can pair it to my iPad, and it's kind of just click a button and switch devices. It's an awesome little thing. Nice. I had not seen those. I use the Keychrons, and mine's similar. I have a USB connection. I have up to three Bluetooth devices. I just pulled up the new fees. They look similar in that you can choose your different switches. The, both of them use Gatoron switches. I know my Keychron has hot swappable, so if I ever want to swap out switches or any of those, I can actually just go buy new switches and put in new switches, swap out keycaps, a lot of that stuff, and also have all of the different Bluetooth or USB 
connections for that. So yep. a couple good options there. And you're right, those are kind of in that 80 to 90 to like 110-ish dollar price range. I like the Keychron 2 for me. I was just looking at the new fee. They come with both Mac keycaps and PC keycaps. So depending on what your OS or PC laptop of choice is, you can have the appropriate keycaps, keyboard layouts for both Mac or PC. Yeah, another recommendation that I would make in this space is the Logitech MX mechanical line. So Logitech makes a line of mechanical keyboards. They don't use standard keycaps, so you can't just go ahead and swap them out with like like the new fee is nice because if you find another like low profile keycap set that you like, it'll totally fit that device and it'll be ready to go. The Logitech not so much, but where the Logitech really shines is it is absolutely bulletproof for wireless communications. So they include the Bolt receiver with it, which is their kind of proprietary 2.4 gigahertz, blah, blah, blah thing. But you can think of it as it has a little wireless dongle that plugs into either your PC, your laptop, or your dock, you know, whatever you use. And that's the communication protocol that it comes across. No matter what you do, if you're looking at a mechanical keyboard and it includes things like like swappable keys, and that's all great. You mentioned being hot swappable. You absolutely, I would say like hot swappable is a thing for like somebody who's new to mechanical keyboards that you want to make sure that it's a hot swappable keyboard. So what that means is hot swappable, like Ben said, you can change the switches on the keyboard without having to desolder the device. So if you like Cherry <laughs> yes. MX Browns or Cherry MX Reds or you like Gateron Blues, you can go in and you can change all those switches which changes the feel of the under line key and the travel and where it bottoms out, all those kinds of things. If you get a non-hot swappable keyboard, you are taking the back off of your keyboard and you're breaking out your soldering iron, which could be just like ever so slightly like a level too far for people to go. (laughs) Yes. Or if you really do like soldering electronics, maybe you want the experience of soldering and desoldering switches. But For me, that's just too time-consuming if you can do hot swappable and you have that desire. Yeah, I I think in this case, you kind of look at it, you pick what size of keyboard you want. Do you want a a, a mini keyboard? Do you want a 60%, a 75 100% layout? So uh, 100% would be like everything, including the numpad kind of thing. And then the features that you want within there. Do you want wireless? Do you want that to be on a dongle? Do you want that to be Bluetooth? Or do you want a wired experience? Do you want a wired and wireless experience? Like something like the Nufi offers. Options abound when it comes to mechanical keyboards and you can totally get into the ecosystem for less than $100 US, which is pretty nice. Yes. So while we're on keyboards... And you mentioned Logitech and their Bolt adapter. My mouse is the Logitech. So I prefer the Logitech MX Master. I told somebody, I think I have four or five of these floating around the house because I have gone from the like the original Logitech MX Master to the 2, the 3, the 3S, all of those. I love the wheel on these. The thumb wheel, I love the, the scroll wheel, the up and down scroll wheel. This is far and away my favorite mouse. 
the bolt connector too. This is the other thing I would say. They do have the Logitech MX Master 3S for Mac, but it is only Bluetooth. It's like the Logitech MX Master not for Mac for the exact same price, but it doesn't include the bolt connector. It's just a Bluetooth mouse and they have a different color. Don't get the one for Mac, no matter what you have. Get the one that has the bolt adapter because in my experience, that is far more reliable, accurate, less laggy, less jittery, all of that than Bluetooth. So I actually have two bolt receivers. I picked up an extra one. I have one that's always plugged in at my desk, one that's always in my bag. Sometimes I'll use Bluetooth if I don't feel like pulling out a little USB adapter because one of my pet peeves is they don't have a USB-C <laughs> bolt adapter or they any adapter for that matter. But by and large, I use the bolt adapter for everything or their dongle that was the predecessor to bolt for their older mice. It just works better than Bluetooth. So don't bother with the one for Mac. Get the normal one. As far as I know, zero difference except whether or not it comes with the adapter and maybe some of the coloring options on the mice. Yes. The bolt's a nifty kind of thing. If you're looking at the MX Master line, they have the MX Master 3 or the 3S. And the big difference between the 3 and the 3S is the 3S is a little bit quieter. So I don't know if this will come across in my recording, but I have an MX3. And one of the things that kills me, particularly like when I'm on my shotgun mic or my Jabra puck and I'm doing meetings, is if I click... I don't know if you can hear it coming through there. It didn't come across in Teams, but Teams does its whole audio filtering thing. It is like noticeable in the background when I'm clicking and moving around, things like that. So it's one thing to hear me typing. It's another thing to hear me like frenetically clicking all over the screen just as, as things are coming together that way. So if you're, if you're looking at those and you're going, ooh, somebody could use a new mouse, and you're looking at the MX Master, get the 3S. It's, it's a little bit quieter, but it feels exactly the same when it comes to the scroll wheel. And, and all those other kinds of things. Yep, I have the 3S. I like the quieter click, which is funny because people have absolutely made fun of me for that. They're like, so wait a minute, you have a mechanical keyboard that clicks and everybody hears you typing, but yet you want a mouse that has a quieter click so that nobody hears it. It's like a little ironic, but you know what? <laughs> it is what it is, and I do like the quieter clicking. I won't lie, sometimes I still take the mouse when I'm working like downstairs at the counter in the table, and my family appreciates the quieter click on the mouse as well. Yeah. Sanity for those around you is totally an important thing, especially if you're giving a gift that's going to make sound in your own house. <laughs> yes, 100%. All right. What else, Scott? Let's see, what else? Let's go back to stocking stuffer-ish kind of territory. Okay. So I've got some travel coming up. At the end of the year, we're going to England for Christmas. And for me, as an American, that means that it's time to break out the power adapters or specifically the converters to go from like a US plug to an EU or an, a UK plug, things like that. So I went and pulled out some suitcases that have been sitting in the garage for a long time and those had the travel adapters in them and they'd been sitting in my attic and garage for so long that they'd all melted. So I had to go buy some new ones. And I found this really cool one, which is an Epica. Uh, so it's just a universal power adapter, but it includes USB-C on the device as well as four 2.4 amp 
USB-A connectors. So for somebody like me who typically travels with some type of like a power squid, like a power bank where I have a bunch of USB-C cables plugged into it, this means that I don't need to bring the big power bank. I can just take all those USB cables directly off the squid and plug them right into this universal power adapter and then boom, I'm ready to go for my trip. So this was like $22, $23 and I just bought four of them. I was like, I need one for me, one for my wife, and one for each of the kids. And we're going to go have a fun little trip. But the other thing that you can get here is beyond like power adapters and things like that is just a USB power bank. So if you have a geek in your life who you know likes to run around uh, with their phone and maybe they complain that they're running out of power, things like that, there's lots of options today for USB power banks that include things like Qi charging built in. If somebody has an iPhone, you can get a power bank that is MagSafe compatible. Like Anchor makes one that's really nice, MagSafe compatible. It's got like a stand built into it, things like that. Or it can just be a standard kind of Qi charging pad. You got to be careful when you buy power banks. Like your mileage may vary when it comes to the companies that make them. I don't know about you. I'm a big fan of Anchor devices. Like I have a ton of their power banks. I've had them for years. They've generally maintained their cell health, like their their lithium ion cell health very well. And they have devices kind of for everybody out there. So if you need like a little 5,000 milliamp hour charger, they have that all the way up to big like 20,000 milliamp hour charging bricks, things like that. Yeah, I've been just a big fan of Anchor devices in general, they seem to have pretty solid devices when it comes to power banks, hubs, USB hubs, all of the things. Especially if you want cheaper than CalDigit. Like, I do a lot of CalDigit, and that's another thing. I have CalDigit hubs all over the place. Those are really nice, but they do tend to be a little bit more expensive than the Anchor stuff. So if you're looking for a little bit more budget-friendly than CalDigit, I think Anchor's a good one. OWC has a few... Even travel hubs. I picked up a new USB-C travel hub from them the other day um, that has some USB network, all of that stuff. But those are a few of my favorite brands when it comes to those types of things. Yeah, if you're on a Mac, I would also throw Sateki in there. S-A-T-E-C-H-I. Yes. They make some good ones as well, but they also tend to be on the... I guess the pricier side. So like I just bought a new travel hub because I needed one of those, like a USB-C travel hub that you know included Ethernet and HDMI, a couple USB USB-A slots, SD card reader, things like that. And while you can certainly go on to Amazon or AliExpress or things like that and you know find something for ten or twenty dollars, just like the CalDigit or the OWC, like the Sateki one was ooh, I wanna say like eighty dollars on sale. But it's okay. been rock solid so far, which is really nice. Yeah. My OWC was 65 and that has USB-C, USB-A network, HDMI. I think it has a memory card reader in it. I don't use the memory. Yeah, it has a SD card slot in it. Yeah, I use the SD card slot on mine. Like I'll usually like run and gun with my my APS-C camera when I'm out and about. The camera. So, I have another one. This is a series of books. I just finished the first one. I am on the second one. And this is one second after, one year after, and I can't remember where it goes after that. But 
I am listening to these on Audible. And for a tech nerd, it's kind of interesting, but it's also very fascinating to think about from the perspective of our modern society. And that was kind of the goal of the author. And this book is all about a series of stories where an EMP was triggered essentially above the entire U.S. and knocked out the electronics across the whole U.S. and the story of kind of the recovery from what could a life be like if an EMP was set off and really wiped out electronics across the entire country. Fascinating book. And the author, I just looked up the author because I actually couldn't remember the author's background. Uh, PhD from Purdue in military history and the history of technology, faculty fellow, professor of history at Montreat College, but also wrote a whole bunch of books. So William R. Forsten? I don't know how you pronounce his last name. (laughs) Back to that whole we're good at Twitter handles, but not at names thing. But not at name things. Yeah. Oh, so it's one second after, one year after, five years after, and the final day looks like this series of all them. But it's been interesting. The first book was good, partway into the second book now. But I listen to a lot of books on Audible, primarily due to kids' ages. It is not as easy for me to sit down and read a book. So I'll listen to them while I'm like doing dishes or making beds or doing things around the house because that is when I have free time versus just sitting down on the couch and reading a book. Audible is a good point. One thing I'll call out there is we've talked a lot about like maybe physical kinds of things so far, but there's a ton of subscription services out there that you can get for folks as well that they really might, you know, if they're going to use it, they'd definitely appreciate it. So Audible kind of goes into that bucket for me of, you know, maybe you get somebody like a year to an Audible subscription, or if they're a gamer, get them a year to whatever the game service of choice is. So like in the case of Xbox, that might be like Game Pass, or you could get them like a PlayStation equivalent. I forget what theirs is called. Nintendo has one as well. So you can totally do things like that. There's a bunch of different kind of subscription services out there that somebody might like, or they might like a Substack author, things like that. Lots of different options when it comes to things like that. What about a subscription to make your car accelerate faster? (laughs) If you want to pay Mr. (laughs) Musk for his whatever stuff, uh, sure, go go ahead. There was another Uh, one. It was Mercedes or somebody. It was $1,200 a year to get faster acceleration in your car. (laughs) I can't remember who it was. Here's your subscription to your air air con unit (laughs) for for your car. (laughs) Books is a good one. I'll throw out a couple there as well. Potentially a little bit more work-oriented. So one of the things that I've been trying to spend time on lately is how others kind of think around me in an organization. So I've been an IC for most of my career, like an individual contributor. Occasionally, I've been a manager of a team, but I've, I've always kind of 
gone back towards being an individual contributor. So I know what it means to be a manager, but sometimes I forget how managers think about us as employees. And I'm often thinking about like better ways that I can collaborate with either my manager, my manager's manager, or even other senior resources in the organizations that surround me. So there's a couple of things that I would suggest. Like if you're looking at getting into management or you're just looking to kind of better understand the way managers think, I have two suggestions for you. One is a book that is called Managing Humans. It's by Michael Lopp. His kind of pseudonym on Twitter is at Rands, R-A-N-D-S. If you've ever run into him there, he does this podcast called The One Thing. But he is an engineering manager over at Slack, and he's worked in a bunch of different Silicon Valley companies as a manager for a good portion of his career and built some really successful teams. So his book is kind of based on blog posts from, from his blog, Rands and Repos, and kind of put together in book form. Form, but it's good. It's it's well structured, and you can kind of it's it's one of those books that you can go through. You can highlight passages. You can pick out specific parts, things like that. Uh, so I've read that one a couple times, and I'm I'm actually going back and rereading it right now. And then another one that I'm reading is new to me. It's called In- Engineering Management for the Rest of Us. It's by Sarah Drasner. She's Sarah Edo on Twitter, S-A-R-H-E-D-O. And she too has had a career as kind of an IC going into management and SRE. And it's been a really good book for me so far, just kind of figuring out and, and getting some different perspective there. And, and I think for in the case of Sarah Drasner's book, Engineering Management for the Rest of Us, it's coming from a little bit of a different place. So today she's the director of engineering and core web development at Google. So she runs like a big infrastructure team at Google that manages JavaScript, TypeScript, things like that. So they're both books by managers in the technology space. Got it. Very good. I... Well, I have taken a bit of a break from business books. I'm in that place right now where there's a bunch of stuff I know I need to do. I need to focus more on implementation than actually getting a longer list. My list again, Scott. A longer <laughs> list of things to do. I need to actually like do some things. Yeah, that ever-growing list of yours. Yeah, so I'm getting a few more contractors, so I'm starting to get into a little bit of that space, so I might have to go pick up a couple of these books and learn a little bit as well from that perspective. All good stuff. Any other, I know we're getting close on time, we got meetings coming up. Any other last minute items on your wish list? I mean, I look around my office and I'm like, I could throw all kinds of things. Webcams, do you want to talk real quick about webcams? There's a couple new webcams that came out that are kind of nifty. Yeah, let's let's talk webcams and we can kind of probably close out on that one. Wrap it up there. So I got... Recently, the Instacam 3, I always forget the name of it. 360. Yes, the Instacam 360 webcam that has like a whole gimbal in it, face tracking, all of that stuff, and also has really good picture. Oh no, I'm sorry, it's the Instalink, Insta360 Link. Yes, Insta360, Instalink, that one. (laughs) The AI-powered 4K webcam. And I finally went with this, like Insta360 is a camera company, that finally made a webcam. And I won't lie, from everything I have seen and others I have talked to and people that have watched the videos are like, this is the best picture in a webcam that I've ever seen. The face tracking 
is nice most of the time. I will say sometimes it gets a little distracting if I tend to move around a lot during a meeting. Uh, if I walk out of my room, sometimes it follows me to the door and then gets stuck looking at the door. But that's one. And then I would love to try this one, but I can't quite justify. This one was, I think, 300 Elgato just came out with a camera as well. And I believe that one is also 300 that has a larger sensor than the Cam Link and also has gotten some very good reviews. The Face Cam Pro, that again, very much in line with like a regular camera, camera sensor crammed into a webcam. I've seen some really good reviews on that one. Would love to try it, but I just spent 300 on one webcam and I can't quite spend 300 on another webcam yet. So maybe you can get this one, Scott. There's multiple. Uh, so the face cam, is it, it's just the face cam, right? So the face cam by itself is 160, 170. And then you can get like pro bundles that include key lights and things like that. Or do they have a separate device? No, they came out with a new one with a FaceCam Pro as well. That's an upgraded camera from the FaceCam. Gotcha. Okay. So it's a 4K 60 frames per second. I think it has like a half inch sensor in it. Is it a half inch sensor in it? It has like all kinds of variable focus, 21 millimeter focal length, f2.0 aperture. I was trying to find the sensor size. But it is a... Relatively speaking, for a webcam, I think it is the largest sensor and like a dedicated webcam. Gotcha. Yeah, I haven't run across. I've seen the face cam. I haven't run across the face cam pro yet. I want to say this was just in the last month or so. Gotcha. Yeah, I was looking on the Elgato site. It says it is out of stock. And you can be notified when it is back in stock. I will definitely put a link to... Oh, I'll put a link to the original Facecam in the show notes and the Facecam Pro as well for anybody who wants to check that out. Uh, the other thing that you could do, and you know, you could give maybe the Geek in Your Life an excellent webcam, like if they have a Mac and they have an iPhone, the latest version of Mac OS includes this thing called continuity camera where you can use the rear sensors on your iPhone as a webcam. And my experience with that has been, it's a super awesome little thing. So what I would say in that case is if somebody's already got a Mac and they've got a phone, get them a continuity camera mount. So Belkin makes one. There's a couple other companies that are making them. You go on Etsy and, and find a bunch of them, these kind of 3D printed mounts if you want to do that, that let them mount their camera either to their laptop or to the top of their monitor. And then they can just go ahead and use that. And you know you can use that nice fancy phone that's already really expensive without spending $300 on a new webcam. <laughs> right. This would also be something, again, we're leaving, we're taking some vacations to over Christmas, that if you're traveling a lot and you're working while you're traveling and want a good webcam, this is way easier and cheaper to throw in your bag than one of those webcams. It's just a nice little mount. Use your iPhone as a camera while you're traveling. I have played with continuity camera, and in my experience, same thing as you. It seems to work really well, seems to not have very little, if any, lag in the way they have it connected. 
I've been impressed with it. I haven't used it for meetings or used it for a long time yet. Just kind of played around with it. And from the playing around, that seems to work fairly well. Yeah, for in, in a pinch kind of thing, it is excellent. Uh, has been my experience so far. All right. Well, with that, we could probably go on for much longer with Christmas ideas and tech toys and gadgets floating around our offices. But we have meetings to go to, work to get done, all of that. And we don't want to go too long, I suppose. Sounds good, as always. Thank you, Ben. All right. Thank you, Scott. And we will talk to you again soon. If you enjoyed the podcast, go leave us a five-star rating in iTunes. It helps to get the word out so more IT pros can learn about Office 365 and Azure. If you have any questions you want us to address on the show or feedback about the show, feel free to reach out via our website, Twitter, or Facebook. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.